Michelle, you got to learn how to slow down, observe, and suss out the, the situation. Baby, when your head is in the mouth of the lion, you got to easily work your way out. But grandma, you don't understand. And that's not how it is today. You know, sometimes you just got to get in there and mix it up and show them who they messing with and that they not going to mess with you no more. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we get into Gardens of War Zones. I'll see you then. Hey, let me ask you something. Do you feel like you're in a war zone? Or maybe do you feel like you're in a wonderful large garden? The reason why I'm asking that is because I am um, in the midst of working with um, different issues that some of my clients are presenting. And um, I constantly have to deal with these issues. And I was like, you know what? This is about sharing wisdoms that we get and experiences that we have. And so I was like, if it's happening in my little small reach of influence right now, then maybe it's happening with you. So today I'm going to be talking about gardens of warfare. All right. So let me just start off by saying this, that the way we look at our lives is all about perception and perspective. Now, a quick crash, crash course for how I look at these things. Perspective is how you see your world. Perception is how you think about your world, okay? And all of them, each one of them, excuse me, can be changed. So when I am looking at my world, I can look at it in a few different ways. And how I came about this uh, wisdom of gardens and warfare is uh, from... Um, <laughs> Let me just let me just put it this way. So for you, if you've been listening, you know that a lot of what I do is um, uh, tempered by experience, training and that kind of stuff. So in my um, therapy uh, side of things uh, as a therapist and uh, as trying to stay healthy, I am not only looking at uh, what is the meaning of me or you or, or those types of things. I'm fascinated with creativity, and that leads into personality. And there is this this, th- this thought uh, within uh, personality psychology that talks about the locus of control. And I'm going to share it with you today, okay? And the reason why I'm going to share it is because I'm like I said, I'm talking about it a lot with different people who are expressing, thankfully, trusting me with that to express what they're going through. And I was like, you know what? Let me pull this out because I make assumptions that people know this and maybe you don't. Okay. So real quick, locus of control. What it does is it looks at how you look at your world and it has a few different ways. So it has what it was called an internal and an external. Okay. So we got that, right? So you can be an internally focused person with regards to your control or an externally focused person with regards to your control. Now, let's start with the inner. The inner uh, locus of control person is said to be active. And it is said that with this person, they view their world as I control my destiny. 
Okay. That means I determine my future. Uh, I, my passion, my work, and what I do help me achieve my goals. I'm in control of my life in this direction. Okay. So they are kind of like, take the bull by the horns kind of person. They believe that you are responsible for controlling your fate. All right. Then there is the passive or the external locus of control. And this person is said to look at things like, instead of the active where they say, I make things happen, they are the ones that say, things happen to me. Uh, They're the ones where they say that you can't really know what's going to happen here in your future because we can't control the weather. We can't control our environment. We can't control all of these things. You know, if it gets into the bad part, um, it would be like the why bother trying, you know, whatever is uh, meant to be will be. Um, Go with the flow. You know, they believe that luck and fate are, and destiny even, or, or even religion can control uh, their future and what they do. And uh, so they're like, it's set in stone. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm here for the ride. I'm here, you know, going along. Now, I'm not going to say either one is uh, better or worse. What I'm going to say is, is that a lot of times people are um, culturally put into these categories as well as instinctually or their nature. All right. You'll find that a lot of times in uh, first world countries, more people are uh, encouraged to be active, to be that I bootstrap me. I do this. I am, you know, responsible for that. Whereas in some other countries, and I'm not going to say third world, I don't like that term, but I'm going to say in some other countries where it's more communal, they are about the we and they are about you know, this will happen to us kind of thing. Okay. So gardens and warfare. Now I know you think I'm going to say, well, gardens represent, uh, the internal locus active person and warfare is going to be the passive person. And no, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that whether you have a control of you handle your business or your business is handled by powers that be, you can be in either one of these. Okay. Uh, one of the things that I do want to say, and the reason why I'm bringing up these locuses of control is because you can, I think, believe it or not, you can have a hybrid of them. And there are certain areas that if it is too much for you to deal with, definitely. You know, what do you do when unexplained things happen? You know, what is that famous saying? When bad things happen to good people. How do you explain that? How do you reconcile that? How do you say, well, I was in control and that's, you know, it causes a cognitive dissonance, you know, kind of like a glitch in the system, you know, of trying to reconcile what happened with what your beliefs are. And so I like to, you know, posit that we can use what is appropriate for us for either one of them, you know, so that's why I actually mentioned this locus of control thing. Okay. So with that, um, War zone. Let's let's deal with the, the war zone kind of thing right now. So outside of that, there is another question that you can possibly look at now that I've talked about this looks of control. And that is, is the world out to get you? Do you feel like the world is an adversarial foe to you? 
Or do you feel like the world is here to be appreciated, to be cultivated, made better, and to be enjoyed? And I'm asking that because it's a setup. Yep, you you guessed it. It's a setup. And, and the reason why it's a setup is because there is a, a pervasively um, untreated, undiagnosed situation that a lot of people, uh, I don't like to use the word suffer from because suffer means to allow. And I don't think anybody allows this kind of thing, but the, a lot of people might be afflicted with and don't know it because it can be in various uh, degrees. And I know I'm hitting heavy on this, but y'all, you know, I love you booze. And you know that with the wisdom smack, we want to scratch where people are itching. I want to give you these wisdoms so that they can spark you. You know, this is 30 minutes for a reason, because I'm not trying to teach you a lot. I'm trying to get you inspired to go and learn more. That's why I give you the books and the articles and the stuff, you know, because I want to just be that quick little uh, wisdom wisdom smack and hopefully inspire you to motivate yourself to go and find out stuff, okay? So if you feel like the world is out to get you, if you feel like it's an adversarial thing, it's like every time you get going, something happens to push you back down, it could be that you are struggling with reconciling your internal locus of control with your external locus of control. You know, it might be where you are a person where you believe you can control your destiny and the world has, quote unquote, other um, ideas about that. Or it could be something more nefarious. All right. So I want to just briefly touch on something that I'm going to be developing an entire podcast to, and that is borderline personality trait. Now, uh, disorder and traits. I have talked about narcissism, and it, this is in the family of narcissism, but it's slightly different. Um, and as part of what I do in this search for uh, the wisdoms around us, I want to share as much as I can with you guys without bogging you down. All right. So I want to give you enough for you to take the baton and keep running with it. All right. So let's talk a little bit about borderline personality disorder. So first of all, what is it? Um, I'm going to in the show notes, check out the show notes, you guys. I'm going to put an article, a contemporary article that just recently came out that does a really good job of explaining to laypersons, you know, people that are not in the therapeutic world of what borderline personality disorder is. And what it is, is it's where people experience emotions to an excruciatingly painful degree. And uh, it stems from uh, either in nature or nurture. There have been many theories in our therapy world about the makings or the orientation of this disorder. Some people talk about toxic womb syndrome, you know, where the the fetus um, has had to go through certain traumas through the um, gestation or even delivery. There have been some talks about other things with regards to family dynamics. Um, There have even been things where uh, studies have shown uh, a high propensity for different types of abuses during the formative stages. But what I'm going to say is, is a personality disorder is where the person is unable to have relationships that are stable, that have healthy boundaries, and that 
are uh, mutually satisfying on both ends. Usually, uh, the person with the border per, uh, borderline personality, like I said before, they feel like their emotions are raw, like skin without the the protective covering. You know, so it's it's kind of like even the slightest brush of air uh, sends them up a wall. And one of the reasons why I'm saying this is because attached to borderline personality disorder is uh, suicide, suicide attempts, suicide ideation, um, and those things. Okay. And so, y'all, this is real. And that's another reason why I'm asking gardens of warfare. You, you can have both of them at the same time. People are suffering in silence, and we need to bring this out. So, I'm not going to keep this too heavy but I'm just going to touch on this a little bit, but I am going to do a entire uh, podcast about borderline uh, personality disorder. Um, and I will list that article in the show notes for you guys. Okay. So now with people with um, borderline personality disorder, their world is a minefield. It is a war zone. It is where uh, the world is against them. And mainly it's because they don't understand and they can't see their behaviors and the way their emotions react to stimuli causes them to um, get, you know, it's kind of like a cause and effect cycle where they lash out, they have rages, they hurt the people they love the most, they don't mean to, they can't understand it, they don't, like they don't even see their history of patterns. And then when people get tired of it, they uh they go away. And so the personality disorder person lives in a constant state of abandonment. But the sad part is, is they're like trying to love a porcupine. You get close to them, they have abandonment issues, you get too close to them because they don't know how to handle the emotions. And remember, emotions are pain. They push you away and they feel like you're smothering them. But then you go away and then they're like, you abandoned me. And so it's a vicious cycle and it deserves a lot of attention that I will focus on on a uh, different podcast. And I might put a, a, a trigger warning on the front of that podcast. But let's move on from there because it's not just the personality disorder folk who look at the world as a war zone, okay? There is a book by an author that I love. You guys know my love for Seth Godin. And he wrote a book about 20 plus years ago called Permission Marketing. And in that book, he talked about the shift that we were going to have uh, from our traditional ways of persuading people. Now, I like this book in it's because it's not just about marketing and selling folks stuff. It's also about our interpersonal relationships. Uh, he kind of touched on it without really going into it, but he touched on, you know, this, this underpinning sense of entitlement that we have. Uh, in a previous podcast, I, I brought up beg packing, B-E-G, beg packing, and how people from quote-unquote first world countries go to Asian countries where um, the average person in the areas where they are, don't have a lot of money. And they go there and just decide, okay, I'm going to get there. And then I'm going to beg my way across the the country to, to go and visit things. And so they kind of like assume that these people should support their desire to see their country. And <laughs> it's like, okay, that's different. And I was kind of like really 
trying to figure out, because, you know, that's how my mind works. I got to try to figure out stuff. I like to solve things. And I was reminded of this permission marketing um, concept that uh, Seth Golden talked about in his book. And yeah, I got you. I'll put the book uh, link in the, in the show notes. And he talks about dominance versus affinity. Where dominance is where this is the person who has a strong internal locus of focus. They are very active. They make it happen. Uh, They are the hustler. They are the person that is going to uh, be on the offensive. They're going to do what they need to come what may. And they're, if you're looking at it from the marketing standpoint, they're the person who is going to put a commercial in front of you, interrupt what you were doing. It doesn't have to be anywhere related to what you were looking at. They don't care. They're going to be like, buy my stuff. This is why it's great. I'll let you get back to your program, but let, let me, let me, let me, let me interrupt you real quick. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna let you finish. Let me, <laughs> you see me trying to channel uh, Kanye, but anyway, uh, that's going to be a dominant strategy and it's to dominate over into, uh, imbue or infuse your will on people. That's where you get the persuasion. That's where you get the grifter, the hustler, the con, confidence man. All those types of things fall under that. Now, it's not necessarily bad. And people do uh, very well with the dominance side of things because there are some people that they just really are secretly begging to be led. Uh Uh-huh. Yep, I said it. But then on the other side, and this is the one that uh, Seth was telling us uh, 20 plus years ago, the pendulum was was swinging. And he was talking about it with the advent of the uptick of social media. And my mama always said, she said, I had all y'all kids so that y'all would knock the rough edges off of each other's personalities. <laughs> and it's true. The more people you have to deal with who have varying uh, personalities and ideas and even customs and cultures, they will get you in check quickly. Just look at any given day on Twitter and someone puts out something that they think is innocuous and people come for their throats and drag them to no end. And that is because of the way we we work in a community and a society has expanded. So let me just go on and tell you what Seth says about affinity. Affinity, and this was brilliant when he when he broached it, and you can see it working today. He was right. Affinity is where you no longer try to dominate someone where there is a hierarchy of power, you know, whether it's coercive, punitive, or otherwise. Affinity is where you are on even level with them or as a servant to them, meaning that they get a chance to know you. Then hopefully they like you. And because they know and like you, they have a higher potential to trust you. And so that's where the no like trust model of marketing came in. Now, it has gotten to the point where influencers, not just influence, influencers are the true power wielders. And part of their power is because they are not trying to tell you, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. No, they are inviting you in a lot of times to see what they are doing in their life and how they are going about living their life. Now, I will say this, a lot of these influencers have a, guess what kind of locus of of control they have? Yep, you guessed it 
internal, they believe that they control their destiny. That is another another reason why they are out there doing it and, and getting in front of people with a microphone and talking. And it's because that's how they look. They believe they can change their destiny. And so therefore they do it. Now, did I say that they were being dominant? Nope. I said that they are internally focused to be active and they understand that there is an affinity. There is a friendship, that uh, relationship that people need to have with each other uh, if you're going to do anything. You see, most of the influencers like, the, okay, now I, um, I, I, I rocks with Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. Y'all have probably heard me, you know, say some things. I love what he is doing, especially in the young entrepreneurial space. Love it. That's my man. And one of the things that I do like about Mr. V, Mr. Gary V, is that he is a person of uh he he is a person of great inspiration. And he has these zingers. I mean, he can put stuff in a a little uh, quotable wisdom that is brilliant. And what he talks about is he talks about the trends and how entrepreneurs have to learn to be relatable. You know, we moved from content marketing to contextual content marketing to now we have to have relatable marketing. And one of the things that he has said, and I'm going to say it here, not parroting, but I'm I'm going to say it here, is that if you are trying to sell somebody something, they will know. They will know. Do y'all realize at this particular time, I'm not trying to sell you nothing. I'm telling you what I'm reading and what I'm doing. And because some of y'all are getting to the point where you're knowing me, you're liking me and you're trusting me, you're going and you're getting these books and you're sending me uh, emails and um, shout outs and DMs and telling me, girl, that book was good. And for that person that told me, thank you for the uh, Dapper Dan recommendation. I told you I have you, boo. Yes. Ain't he a mess? But anyway, (laughs) um, so when we are looking at whether we have gardens or whether we have warfare, there are some people that are putting it together where they have gardens of warfare, where they are cultivating spaces where it's not just about fighting and it's not just about uh, enjoying the destiny that's laid out before you. Uh, when you look at the whole concept of gardening, it involves cultivating and gathering. And so for the people who are out there and they're like, it's hard out here in these streets, I feel you. But that's just one of your warfares that you're going to have. It's like you're not going to be able to only have a life of ease and you're not supposed to only have a life of turmoil, struggle and fighting. You're just not. But you can cultivate them and you can have your garden. Now, I want to put this in here for my listeners who are um, in the uh, population of 50 plus. And I want to tell you that this applies to you too. There's an article. Yeah, I got you. I'm going to drop the link. It's a cute little article. Take you two minutes to read it. And I'm going to give you the gist of it. So it talks about the three stages of life after 50. Okay. Now, why am I putting this in here? It's set up, y'all. I'm going to come with it. 
And that is, there is a saying, I've said it before and I'll say it now, that old men are for counsel and young men are for war. And what I mean by that is once you have had many waters under your bridge, you start to be more reflective and introspective and thus you're able to give more insight, wisdom, uh, advice, counsel, if you will, uh, that has a bigger panoramic view of things. And so, like I said, in, in the A, a role of this, my grandmother was telling me to ease my head out of the lion's mouth where I wanted to go fight. And it was because she had more wisdom, more experience, more knowledge under her belt than I did. So my uh, over 50s, they talk about the news that you're going to incur in, encounter. Now, the way this article is written, it's written for folks that you can clearly tell they have children. And I'm going to, you know, amend this a little bit for if you if you don't have children. Okay, so the new freedom, the first one, the new freedom. This is where they talk about empty nesters. And now that you have this new freedom of not raising kids, you can go out and explore new stuff. If you never had kids or your kids have not been around for a while, your new freedom is that you can be young again. They are hypothesizing that in 25 years, 70, it will start to be where 70 is the new 40. No joke. 70 will be the new midlife crisis because they are um, postulating that people will easily live to be 110 to 120. Yes. Uh, yeah, that, that's how it's going. And so your new freedom is not just about, oh, we glad the kids out. Let's go do stuff. No, your new freedom will be learning to live in a new way. It will include changing jobs because people will be working longer. You know, retirement, mm, that's not going to cut it if you're going to be living 70 plus more years. Uh, just just, um, just saying, you know, so you will have to learn how to get new skills, retrain yourself, get up to date on things. Your new freedoms will also be about your sexuality and how you look at your life. Maybe you won't be with the same partner that you were with for the for the last 30 uh, plus years. You know, it will be a whole new thing. So then we talk about new horizons and that will be for you to expand your borders physically and mentally or spiritually. That means you will start, hopefully, to be able to travel, to experience things. And what will happen is your culture will be upgraded. Um, the one thing that they say about this way of living for 50 plus is that we no longer have to have elderly people who become rigid and stiff in their bodies and in their beliefs. No, because you'll have new freedom and new horizons. You'll be able to constantly update your skills, update your way of thinking. And they say that they're encouraging it uh, because it helps to stave off Alzheimer's, even if you have a propensity for that. And so continuing to read and grow and do, that's going to be great. And then new simplicity. So they say, once you've experienced your new freedom and you've started to set your new horizons, you're going to look towards having new simplicity. You're going to cut out all the dumb stuff, all the people who no longer serve you, all the crap that is just taking up space and take and not, not only space, physical space, the space in your mind causing you to stress out because you keeping on all of this crap, you know, so there's that. Like I said, I have the, um, I'll have the article in here for you too. Y'all, we've covered a lot, but there's one last thing I want to say about this before I close it down. And that is 
If you are looking at your life and right now it's a war zone, take heart, take heart. Whether your uh, focus of control is internal or external, one of the things I want to remind you of is that, here's a whistle smack coming right now, you guys, is that in any given time, you have the power to turn it into a garden where you take control to cultivate your situation, meaning that you can uh, make it better. It might not be instantaneous, but you can make it better. Maybe you need to fertilize it with uh, more healthy and life-giving thoughts or actions. Maybe you need to weed out the negatives that have diminished and depleted the soil of of your life. And then gather. You know, I want to sprinkle this on you that you need to have a gathering spirit. (laughs) And that is you need to gather information, tools, resources, and new ways of doing things. Sometimes your warfare is simply because your garden has been overrun by weeds and it has stale soil where that soil is no longer dirt. It is it's on its way to sand. You don't want that. You want to make sure that you are gathering the stuff that you need to be able to handle. And, you know, when I say handle, go through the war that you that you're currently in. But to also understand that you do have some ability in here. Yeah. If you are a person who is an externally focused person when it comes to control, you can still have snatches of the internal. Because it is ultimately up to you to take care of you. All right. So now I want to leave you with this part. And that is people pay attention and they watch what they care about. If you are are trying to find a purpose, if you are that undiagnosed borderline uh, person, what I want you to do is I want you to find something that you can invest in because that is going to tie you to caring about what you're doing. All right. Understand this, my beloved, that you're going to have problems in this life. Yes, you will. You will suffer and you will struggle. But if you remember that you have the power to be the husbandman, to garden and cultivate your life, you will be you'll be good. All right. So I know I covered a lot today and guess what? My time is up. I sure do want to thank you for yours. And this has been Michelle Spiva for Wisdom Smack. I'm going to encourage you to see me again tomorrow. Check on in and don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And come on back tomorrow. All right. I'll see you later. This is Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Talk to you soon. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.